Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bureau Briefing. We have got an exciting show for you today as we welcome Chaitana Diora, who is the former design director of growth at Netflix. Now, along with joining us on the show today, she is going to be a special guest at Growth Camp Asheville, which is this April 19th through April 22nd. If you run or are involved in growth at your organization, this is an amazing opportunity to learn from someone who's done it for some of the biggest organizations there are. And we'll also have special guest Tom O'Neill, who was formerly the CEO at the Nerdery and took them from 50 to over 500 nerds with offices in four cities. Now, growth can be defined a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's the quality of work that you're doing. Sometimes it's revenue. Sometimes it's the number of people on your team. We're going to address all of this at Growth Camp. So if you're interested, please check it out. It's in the show notes. And now let's get on with our conversation with Chaitana. Please welcome to the Bureau Briefing, Chaitana Diora. How are you, Chaitana? Doing very well, Carl. Good afternoon to you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us and, and get in front of the community and talk about your kind of amazing career if I may say so, really focused a lot on the growth of products. So if you don't mind, could you share with everybody just a little bit of your backstory? Sure. It's been a very interesting journey as being an immigrant here in the United States. I landed here around the time of the infamous, famous Y2K bug in 2000. Huh. My root sign graphic design, growing up in India, we didn't even know graphic design. It was more known as commercial art or advertising. So if I were to look at my career, which I consider book-ended between my days growing up at Yahoo, or I should say years growing up at Yahoo, and then my most recent experience at Netflix, I feel it's been a, a fascinating journey where this continuum of communication design and user experience design, where the value of a product or a business needs to connect with the customers that care for it the most. And everything that design school did not teach me, I learned at Yahoo. And I think, (laughs) (laughs) and many of us, especially here in the Silicon Valley, still say we bleed purple. And between Yahoo and Netflix, I consciously chose to throw myself into startup land. I also needed a break from corporate America. And that is when I think to your uh, introduction and question, I really grew from an individual contributing designer to a design leader. And this journey included my experience at startups like Liftopia, Betfair, Scribd, Yeah, some go with script or scribed. We did try to work with our CEO in terms of the branding and naming, because that's also one of the things the customers need to feel that they can connect with. Um, So yeah, my experience has been in the consumer space throughout this journey. And it's been amazing to have been on the side of the building the product experience, figuring out, okay, which new feature needs to be created to then making sure that these product experiences that have been created connect their value to the customer out there. And that is really where the product-led growth 
has come to be. You spend, I think it was almost seven years at Yahoo. Is that right? Yes. And then you go through uh, with Scribd and then you come to Netflix and now you're kind of consulting and you're, you're out of all of that crazy energy. How are you? How does it feel to be out here where you're kind of figuring out what's next? Absolutely. And wonderful question. Thank you for asking that. I feel I'm finally at that point in my career where I am creating the space and the time so I can embody this sense of courage, clarity, a lot of C words, uh, (laughs) where I can learn to say no. And what I mean by that is, again, someone who didn't grow up here or has not been entirely familiar and conversant with the cultural norms here, with the way business is done. I think I'm finally at that point in my career where I feel like I've got to be rooted and standing in the sum total of who I am, first as a designer and as a design leader, and to really start tuning into those opportunities, either proactively or staying open to what's coming my way, where I can really give back and really connect with all these years of experience while still continuing to grow. So the consulting is allowing me to, both through mentoring or through through paid projects, if that's what shows up, to get that space to be a bit more selective, if I may. Uh, And I'm also staying open to full-time opportunities in the spaces we are talking about. I am so happy for you. Thank you. That sounds like an amazing place to be. So I'm curious, you know, one of the things you and I talked a little bit before, and obviously as the design director of growth at Netflix, you were really focused on growing the product. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories that come out of that. But one of the things we both realized was a lot of your learnings from how to grow Netflix for the, for the end user really are applicable to a lot of other areas it could be in life. It could be in running a smaller business. So I'm just curious, what do you think are some of the, the biggest lessons you learned as the design director of growth? What are some of those things that you just walked away with and said, this is a truth? Wow. Lovely question. So first and foremost, having stepped away from, like you said, the the back-to-back existence with uh, being in Silicon Valley jobs, I've at least come to first define what growth means. And I'll start with what product-led growth has meant because that is more tangible, more black and white, and then we can map it to how it has helped me evolve as a design leader and then how I'm bringing that to teams that I'm leading. So in the simplest vocabulary, growth is an outcome as opposed to an output. And in the sense of product-led growth, there are systems and frameworks and metrics around which this is very measurable. And I've also uh, spoken about this topic in a recent design leadership conference. But how does one take this notion of everything that has to be quantified and measured and bring it to customers' experiences experiences that are going to stay sustainable with the end customer as opposed to a one-time win. So for those listening to this conversation familiar with 
you know, subscriber bases and revenue numbers, we do see that as a very tangible growth outcome. As a design leader, however, even when it came to hiring for my team that was going to be product designers for growth, I came to realize that while at the core, I do need to look for very strong UX designers and very strong individual contributing uh, visual designers or interaction designers, it became very clear to me that for someone who's solving problems for growth, there is a certain aptitude or an acumen that was a must-have. And few sort of attributes I'll share with you. A designer who can have a systematic approach to their communication and organization with cross-functional stakeholders. Someone who is courageous enough to ask the tough questions because when you're solving for growth, you can be successful by raising, you know, by getting these numbers, by getting a bigger subscriber base, by making more money. But at what cost did you do it? Right. Is the designer on my team willing to ask the tough questions to their PMs, to their growth engineering partners, to the business? The other, which is very obvious, is their ability and willingness to learn to work with data. Uh, which again is something most design schools and even my earlier jobs did not really focus on. We as design leaders were rarely considered as someone who can be on the business side of design. And when you're solving growth problems, a designer is just so empowered of he or she is interested in at least understanding the data metrics that are coming in. The other interesting thing about growth is it's a very... And we, we always say design itself is a collaborative discipline, but in growth, there is no shortcut. The work you're doing requires for you to connect with marketing, sales, brand, the business owners, and then, of course, the design team itself. So I'm looking at, is this individual really strong in their craftsmanship and in their design chops, but are they also willing to stick their neck out and be collaborative at that degree? You and I both know this personally, professionally, or running a business, the resilience to be able to fail and learn from those failings, pick it up where you dropped it last is an incredible value to have. And when you're solving problems for growth or product-led growth or even marketing growth, a designer who can have this detachment or resilience, I'm going to try this experiment, I'm going to explore this solution, and I might fail, is absolutely magic. So I'm sharing these attributes with you because not only do I look for this when I'm hiring to build a growth team or develop a growth culture, I also then land up doing a lot of the mentoring and coaching and developing some of these skills because you may not always get that unicorn that has all of it put together. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely love what you're talking about right now because I was having a conversation earlier uh, with some friends who are design leaders, and and you know everybody talks about design gets a seat at the table, and now it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to make sure that you deserve to be there, that you get to stay there? And the word that you said that just hit me really hard was detachment, right? Being able to separate yourself. It, my understanding of what you're saying is being able to separate, separate yourself from the work that you did so that you can make sure you're ready for the work you have to do next. Yes. 
Beautifully said. Yes. And it's so amazing you're bringing this up. Oftentimes when I'm in my first, which has now become a video call interview with candidates, I get to this point conversationally, much like you and I are doing, where I have to suss out these acumens or aptitudes I was talking to you about because I rarely can see it in the artifacts of their portfolio. And what I've come to notice is we as designers and those of us who really uh, get goosebumps or get stoked when we're solving design problems do it because we are not artists or we may have our artist lens or our artist journey on the nights and weekends where for an artist, he or she can paint a canvas that looks blank and they can put it up in a gallery and sell it for a million dollars. We cannot. <laughs> or we would, right? We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We'd be relaxing in Fiji because we had yes. sold our million dollar paintings. Yes. And their inspiration and their motivation and the problem they are solving is very different from the one a, design, a UX designer or then a designer on growth is solving in terms of really connecting with the audience of that product and the value that painting, if I may, or product brings to the person who's going to pay the price for it. And in order for that connection with your end customer, detachment with your solutions has been a lifelong journey even for me, whether it's how I'm running my team or if the team is running me or what processes I'm <laughs> instituting. Um, yeah, that's a fascinating growth area. So when you look at everything that you were just describing in terms of growing a product, this is directly applicable to growing a team. And as I was looking through uh, some of the other information that I, I'd seen you present, you know, one of the things that stuck out was this idea of acquisition, activation, I'm going to get them wrong now, but yeah. um, retention. Uh, and then I think it was revenue and referral. Yes. And that is every business ever, right? It doesn't matter if your product, if, if you're delivering a service or you're delivering a candy bar or you're, you're delivering, you know, movies on demand, um, all of these aspects come into play. So I'm just curious, have you thought about how this could apply to say, I mean, like a lot of people in our community are in digital services, so they're running mm -hmm. web shops. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever taken that lens and maybe looked at that side? We can talk about it in terms of how I have taken these, what are pretty heavy growth jargons, and I'm actually recalling a slide but I did have this graph and the credit goes to a gentleman who's um, sort of one of the legacy folks in the growth industry. But what I did is I took these stages of a product or business growth develop development and I mapped it to the voice of the customer. So acquisition, activation, retention, revenue, referral. In right, other words, right, right, right. Yeah, in other words, basically means Acquisition is how do you find the users? Where do they even exist? And in, in my hiring, I would have to ask the question, where should I even look for this right candidate for the kind of problem I want to solve? And depending on which companies I've been at, whether Netflix or Scribd, depending on the resources I have with my recruiting team who are such 
an important part of the hiring process, I then partner with them in, then, them in terms of where should I find the skill or talent. I would think the same is true for businesses in terms of who are their customers and clients that they even want to work with or are they going to take on every project that comes their way because they want to make the money? Which is a fear-based decision, right? Yes. Yes, so. with accepting jobs, and I've been there, done that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an amazing model. I didn't map it to such a degree, but I'm fascinated with how you're looking at it. Uh, the second one that we call is activation, which is what does the first-time impression and connection look like with the product or the business or this individual candidate? Is there going to be a second time, or did you drop the ball so hard that they're not going to come back. <laughs> yeah, so we can walk through each of these if that's helpful. But I did map it to finding the customer, connecting with them in that first impression, figuring out what value we can give them so they will come back. And then once that value has been delivered, talk about the money. Right. See, this is, this is the big difference, I think, <laughs> right? There are no free trials if you're hiring a company to do something, right? And this, this to me was, was the fascinating moment when I was looking at it and I was going, okay, well, in, in our world, that is very much frowned upon because we would call it spec work. Whereas wow. in the product world, it's called free trial, right? And so it, it's very different because for one, you're using your expertise. For the other, you're just kind of showing how something works. But it's that one place when I was looking at it, when I was going, hmm, because you establish value through that free trial. Mm -hmm. And then people go, yeah, that's totally worth 10 bucks, 11 bucks, 12 bucks a month, whatever. Um, but in the other side, it's like, you've got three different people with different prices. One person saying $10,000, another person saying $100,000. And, and you're just like going as a, as a client, as that end user, you're like so confused. So it's like, that's one of the things I want to try to, to figure out. Like how, how could somebody on, coming into a team or with service side offer that free trial? And we definitely won't solve it today. But it's one of those things that just got me a little bit giddy when mm -hmm. I, I think about the growth of something like, Net, like Netflix. And I was, you know, I'm one of the old timers. I was using it for DVDs. Yes, but me too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you start thinking, if somebody didn't have that opportunity, would they try it? Very true. It's, again, that first impression. So yeah. one thing I can share with you is, which is true for whether it's a product a business, an individual, even you and I in the way we've connected and, you know, picked up is at the heart of every connection or collaboration. And especially when it's about growing, it starts with the trust. Mm -hmm. And for some, you know, services, businesses, the trust is built over days, weeks, years together. And then there is this uh, credibility and loyalty even that kicks in. Uh, but today with technology, with user experience design, with content strategy, with even the way in which you and I are able to connect right now, being miles away, has made that element of trust even more nuanced. Either it can be really easy to connect 
and build that trust or it can get really convoluted because the older means like with the dvd reaching my doorstep had a certain process <laughs> to it right now it's like i just log in and i can stream anything so one of the things i have understood with product experiences trying the free trial is because we are trying to get a foot in the door right uh, and i don't know if in today's uh, talk we might get to it or not i also have a very interesting anecdote when my team at netflix did do immersive research both in uh, in two different countries in apac what were the learnings we had with this concept of free trial because again from one culture to the other the word free has a very different value proposition so that's the right. that's a that's the thing with like what works for us here in the us may not work for the same value proposition in another country but from a business point of view or even when we have interviews and we want to have candidates uh do design exercises it's one of those love hate relationships i'm still trying to figure out as a design leader is it fair for a candidate coming in for an interview to spend 5 6 hours doing a design exercise at home the same goes for spec work with an agency and just coming back full circle the agency or the individual should not be subjected to that if he or she has been able to build that first impression and that credibility and that trust through their website through their online presence through conversations like this uh and then sort of get that foot in the door with their potential uh hiring manager or customer and client no that that makes perfect sense i mean that that is where and these terms are also horrible but thought leaders and you know <laughs> but but didn't you read my blog post it showed you that i am a subject matter expert right it's like all of these things just make me cringe a little bit but they're also very valuable in the sense that if you do see somebody who's saying they've worked on something you're challenged with and they have success and they have other people with real first and last names <laughs> they yes. can point you to all of this matters a lot you know one of the things when you were going through that and and talking about what's going to work in this culture may not work in that culture specifically around the term or the concept of free it reminded me of uh we did this launch in eight countries for energizer uh the battery company the power oh, yes. company yes and we re- we made a, a terrible mistake in translating things instead of transcreating them yes and that was a huge education for me in my late 20s that the web is going to make it so that it is not okay just to cut and paste right <laughs> you have got to truly there's no translator you have to have somebody who understands the culture and i think that's probably true in different industries as well maybe not not at the same level but if you have clients that are lawyers versus clients that are professional athletes it's going to mean a totally different thing as well Absolutely. And I think that is the fascinating thing about my this immersion in leading growth or learning more about growth that you cannot really grow the product service or idea if you haven't connected with what matters to that particular culture, individual or business. It's not one size fits all anymore. I I just have to say Chaitana this conversation It's it's the end of the day on Friday and I'm all pumped up to work now. 
this is no good. I'm supposed to be relaxing, but you've got me excited to even go back and, and look through what I'm doing in ways that I can actually take some of your lessons uh, on growth and how to apply them for what we're doing at the Bureau to help the community. So thank you so much for that. Thank you very much, Carr, for having me here and for being able to share something that can otherwise be quite esoteric, but certainly in the path of growth. You are most welcome. And for everybody listening, thank you so much. And we'll be back next week. All the best. Mm-hmm.